I sent that song to to John, Tiffany, and Vince earlier this week, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear it loud. Vince is like, what does she mean? <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. Don't you love that? Don't you love where they went with that song? Like there is a promise inside of you. Don't kill it. Don't abort it. There's a promise inside of you just because there's pain. Hold on. Right? Anybody feel like they're incurring some pain right now? Yeah. yeah I told Lisa last night, a hedge of protection is just not going to do. <laughs> I'm going to need a force field. <laughs> anyway, just hold on. There's a promise inside of you. Just hold on. Father, we just thank you that we're here. We're all together in one space. In oneness and union, union in you. And we honor your name right now. That you are the King of Kings and the Lord of You're the one that speaks everything into existence. Nothing exists without your say. And we just thank you that you've given us the job to steward it well. Amen. I want to read just a an excerpt from a, um, I don't know, it's probably not exactly a book because it's not very long, but maybe it's a book. Anyway, but I just stole this. It's just called St. Anathanias. I don't know how to even say his name right. But anyway, it's a good little booklet thing. This is what it says. You must understand why it is that the word of the Father, so great and so high, has been made manifest in bodily form. He's not assumed a body as proper to his own nature, far from it. For as the word, he is without body. He has been manifested in a human body for this reason only, out of the love and goodness of his father for the salvation of us men. We will begin then with the creation of the world and with God, its maker. For the first fact that you must grasp is this, the renewal of creation has been wrought by the self-same word who made it in the beginning. There is thus no inconsistency between creation and salvation for the one father has employed the same agent for both works, affecting the salvation of the world through the same word who made it in the beginning. What a statement. By the same act the same power. The beginning and new creation were brought about by the word. And I want to lay a little bit of foundation of the word. We're going to go back and read. This is very familiar, very familiar parts of scripture, but I think it's really important that we understand. In John Chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, this is the Moffat translation. It says, the Logos, which means the word, existed in the very beginning. The Logos was with God. The Logos was divine. He was with God in the very beginning. 
Through him, all existence came into being. No existence came into being apart from him. In him, life lay. And this life was the light for men. Amid the darkness, the light shone. But the darkness did not master it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Isn't that fascinating? Jesus, the word. And I just, I, I want us to understand what's being said here because we mistake this as the word when it's just the words of the word, right? There is the word Jesus that spoke all of this into existence from the get-go. And then there are the words of the word spoken through men. This is so humbling. The, the entire gospel has been handed down to us from the word through the words of man. So humbling. I, 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 I speak prophetically on behalf of God time to time, right? We all do. We're prophetic people. Do I get it all right? No. God has entrusted his words, his mystery to man. Wow. I don't know why you're not wowing right now. Thank you. Could I get a collective wow? I was so apathetic. Thanks. Love the enthusiasm. First John chapter one, one through three says this. It is of what existed from the very beginning, of what we heard with our ears, of what we saw with our eyes, of what we witnessed and touched with our own hands. It is of the logos of life. The life has appeared. We saw it. We testify to it. We bring you word of the eternal life which existed with Father and was disclosed to us. It is of what we saw and heard that we bring you word so that you may share our fellowship and our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about our union. He's talking about the revelation of the word that became flesh. And he's saying, and we occupy ground together in him. He's revealing our oneness, our union, the gospel is void of the fullness of its power if you cannot comprehend your union with him. Yes? And I could say it like this. The gospel is void of the fullness of its power if you do not understand your union with one another. It's really important that we understand that we are collectively sharing space in Christ. Everything that is his is ours when we comprehend our union. Yes, it's really important that we understand this. That's a good way of saying it. Thank you. Okay, let's jump over to Genesis. We're going to go to chapter three. If you know me at all, you know I love Genesis. The first three chapters, they're my favorite. Okay, um, we're going to start in verse eight. We know what's already transpired here. They've already messed up, right? They already ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? God said what? Don't, right? Like 
don't eat that fruit. I'm just going to read this to you. Then Adam and his wife heard the sound of Yahweh God passing through the garden in the breeze of the day. So they hid. They hid among the trees, concealing themselves from the face of Yahweh God. Then God called Adam's name and asked, where are you? Adam answered, I heard your powerful presence moving in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Who told you that you were naked? God said. Did you eat the fruit of the tree I commanded you not to eat? Adam pointed to the woman and said. See, it's really important here that we understand what's happening. They've been empowered by the accuser. This is the first act of accusation. She did it. How many of you have been caught blaming? Yes, that's another great word. How many of you have been caught blaming or pinning the blame on others? Or accusing, she did it, he did it, they did it. It wasn't me. It wasn't me, don't look at me. I didn't do it. He says she did it, right? The woman you placed alongside me, he continues in his accusation. This is beautiful. The woman who you placed alongside me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate it. So God said to the woman, what have you done? The woman pointed to the snake and said, the shining snake tricked me and I ate. Adam said to the snake, because you have done this, you are cursed above every wild animal, condemned above every creature of the field. You will slither on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. Some people actually believe that the snake had legs prior to this moment. Their legs were taken out from underneath them. And I think that this is symbolism of what's to come. And I will place great hostility between you and the woman and between her seed and yours. This is where it gets interesting. He will crush your head and you crush his heel. See, the best that Satan, the accuser, can do is crush his heel, strike at his heel. It's the best he can do. And what I want you to understand is that even in the grandeur of the cross, the brutality of the cross, the best the accuser could do was strike at his heel. Wow. Thank you. I love participation. That's the best he can do. And if that's the best he can do to Jesus, why on earth do we think that he has any chance at harming us? We're in him. And see, the thing is, is that Jesus accomplished our victory against the accuser. And as long as we stay snuggled up in him, he can't even strike our heel because his head has been crushed, right? So how can an enemy whose head has been crushed affect you in the least? Great question, Angie. He can't. He can't. The only way that a crushed, headed, 
enemy can affect you is if you believe that he can. See, it all has to do with our belief system. If we believe that there is an enemy that can pursue us, then you can be pursued. But if you believe that you are snuggled up in Christ, the victor, there's nothing that he can do to come against you. I started this by saying, anybody in here experiencing pain right now? Right? There's absolutely nothing he can do to take you out, snuggled up in Christ. See, it's really easy for us to get outside of Christ and play the victim when our true role is the victor. Do you see the difference? If I'm going to stand outside of myself because my true nature is Christ, if I'm going to stand outside of myself, then you better believe I'm going to feel the full effects of the best shots the enemy can take at me. But the truth is, is he's been crushed by the seed of woman. Fascinating. He will crush your head and you crush his heel. Then God said to the woman, I will cause your labor pains and childbirth to be intensified with pain. You will give birth to children. The footnote in the Passion Translation is amazing. Listen to this. The Hebrew word for pain is a homophone that can also mean creativity. God will use our painful situations to birth and express his beautiful creativity through us. How many works of art, compositions of music, and powerful acts of kindness have been birthed through the labor pains of our sometimes troubled past? Pain can be the incubator of creativity and beauty. That's really good news. Let me just read. I'm just going to read the first part again. Pain can also mean creativity. God will use our painful situations to birth and express his beautiful creativity through us. But you have to stay in your true nature. I am Christ. Christ in me. Right? When we escape our reality in Christ, then it just looks like misery. But within him, it's creativity. The word passion is derived from the word pain. We cannot have passion without pain. I said this on Friday in my, my live that the most painful moments of my life have been the most profound. Now, you can miss it. You can miss it by living outside of Christ. But if you will stay with him in the painful moments, it will be the most profound moments of your life. So right now, I just want you to say, thank you, Jesus, for what I'm experiencing. I mean, we have to. We have to, we have to position, posture ourselves in thankfulness. I don't know what it is that you're trying to develop in me. I can't fully comprehend it, but I know that you know what you're doing in me. 
right? Okay, let's move on. You will desire to dominate your husband, but he will want to dominate you. And to Adam, he said, because you obeyed your wife instead of me and you ate from the forbidden tree when I had commanded you not to, the ground will be cursed because of you. You will eat of it through painful toil all the days of your life. It will sprout weeds and thorns and you will eat the plants of the field. You will painfully toil and sweat to produce food to eat until your body taken from the ground returns to the ground for you are from dust and to dust you will return. The man named his wife Eve, life giver, because she would become the mother of every human being. And I don't want you to miss what happened there. God had just told them, because of what has happened, you will want to dominate your husband and he will have dominion over you. Adam's first act is to attempt to dominate a woman. And he named her. Eve doesn't have a name prior to this. She's just woman. Fascinating, right? Okay. Let's go to Luke. Let's get into the story. Oh my gosh, this story is amazing. We're going to talk about the story of Mary. Go to Luke 1. And what I want you to see as we read through this is the redemption of Eve. Yes? There is a redemption of Eve happening here. It's a new Adam, a new woman that leads to new creation. Yes? It's a new Adam, a new woman that leads to new creation. This is, this is, oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Okay, we're going to start in verse 26. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, the true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman. For the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. I want to take you back to the garden for just a second. Adam and Eve are getting their identity straight from God. They look into his face every single day because every single day he comes walking, right? We know this. They're looking into his face to pull their identity. They know nothing outside of I am he. I've come from him. I was spoken from him. For the first time, Eve stops to hear the snake talk to her, and she looks into him to find her identity. What really happens in this situation in the garden is the deceiver usurps man's identity. And so the redeeming of Eve happens right here, right here. Where, the, where Gabriel says to her, grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you. And so you are anointed with great favor. After all these hundreds of years, woman is known as the deceived. 
And now God is calling her the one with great favor, the one who I am with and the one who's carrying great favor. So for the first time, woman looks into the face of God and agrees with who she is. Huge, guys. This is huge. Woman's identity is usurped in the garden. God takes it back with one word. One word. And Mary agrees. This is what she says. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. He continues, right? He strikes her with, this is who you are. You are one who is greatly favored by the Lord. And then she trembles in fear, and she, she's probably like having a little bit of like a disagreement because fear. How many of you have been there? This is who God says you are, right? He's like, he's, he hits you with the big promise. He doesn't withhold. He tells you who you are in fullness. Right? And you're like, did it all me? Right? Fear comes in and wants to say, where do you think fear comes from? Fear is the accuser's voice. You can't possibly be that big. Look at, all, look at what all you've done. You know, immediately your entire highlight reel, <laughs> the moment God speaks greatness over you, everything that you have done wrong comes. But no, God, like, I think you missed it, right? Or we want to hide. We want to shrink back and be like, no, I'm going to do everything else to distract myself. But he tells her, don't yield to fear, Mary. I lost my place. Mary said, but how could this happen? I am still a virgin. So the other thing that I want to draw our attention to, which I think is fascinating, because we think that God handed down punishment in the garden. You are to be dominated by man. We think that's what happened. We think that it was God's plan that woman be dominated by man, right? That's where we have built a lot of our doctrine, is from what God said, but God is just declaring what will now happen as a consequence of their actions, not because that's what he wanted for them. And so I think it's very interesting that God sends Gabriel, his number one man, to deliver a message to lowly Mary, who is a teenager, by the way. He didn't actually send Gabriel to Mary's father first. Interesting. Can I have your permission to talk to your daughter about impregnating her? I know it's a bit scandalous. She's already betrothed to Joseph. Gabriel didn't go and say, hey, Joe, here's the deal. Like, I need your permission because this is going to happen. No. He's undoing something in this. In this moment, God is undoing so many things 
See, in redemption, there's a great undoing that has to take place first. We are tied up in knots, which keeps us from the promise when we believe that all of the accusations are true about us. He's redeeming woman in this moment. He goes straight to woman and says, you, you've been chosen to carry the promise. Isn't that so good? Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. What does that remind you of? Do you remember in Genesis chapter one, where it says that Holy Spirit is brooding over the unformed, over the dark. See, when, when Holy Spirit spreads himself, things begin to manifest. I think that's so, it's just stunning. The whole thing, ugh, it's so hard to grab hold of the fullness of it, isn't it? But I'm like, God, help me. Help me get it. I want to get it. The spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt, Elizabeth, has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Shall I read that line again? Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Not one of his promises is empty of power. Not one. I want you to just really quick survey. What are the promises over your life? They are not void of power. He knows what he's doing. Say, you know what you're doing. He knows what he's doing. If it seems too big for you to accomplish, great. It's not your power. It's his promise that carries the power. Then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I think that's a right response. This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. Okay, I don't know if you have ever put yourself in the position of Mary here. I mean, sincerely, this would be like Lily. She's 17. This would be like Lily, like Gabriel comes to Lily and says, you're going to give birth to Jesus, the, the Messiah who you've been waiting for for hundreds of years. And just like, whoa, this is amazing, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit crazy. <laughs> you can understand why the people surrounding Mary had the response that they did, right? Because it's outlandish. It's ridiculous. But God is ridiculous. In the best sense of the word. 
Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I'll be the mother of the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. This is an audacious statement. I accept whatever you have for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. She starts this whole scenario off, scenario off in fear, right? And he says, no, Mary, don't, don't yield to fear. That's not for you. And she ends the whole thing saying, let it be unto me as you will. We need to respond like Mary does. Do not yield to the fear. Respond by saying, let it be unto me. Just as you have said. So whatever the big picture is of the promise, you need to whisper to yourself right now. You need to see it. And I want you to whisper right now, let it be unto me as you have said. Otherwise, we're in a disagreement with the promise. It's only in our disagreement that we don't get to play with the power. It's only in our disagreement that the promise feels like torment. Right? It's really important that we put on the promise. <laughs> I, was, I was just in a conversation that, uh, last week sometime. And I was like, here's what I do. I mean, like I'm walking through. Like, this is what I do. I wake up in the morning and I say, dress me. What do you want me to look like today? How can my wardrobe complement your promise? Yes? You guys, we have to get a little crazy about the promise that God has spoken of our lives. What am I doing? By doing this, by saying, dress me, put your royal robes on me, I'm saying yes to the promise. Over and over and over again, I'm saying yes to the promise. You might have to do it hourly at first. This is who you said that I am, and I will wear it. I will walk in it. And you need to begin to see yourself in that. You need to ask him, how do I talk there? How do I act there? How do I treat others there? See, Mary doesn't have this gap like you and I do. Like we, you and I have like this gap between the, our reality and the promise, right? But that's only because of our unbelief. <laughs> Mary could have yielded to her fear, and it, it would not have taken. I promise you, she had to deny the fear for the promise to be birthed in her. We need to get a lot more serious about the promise and forget what everybody around us will think when we start walking around like royalty. Why are we so afraid of ourselves? It's a really good question. We are so afraid of ourselves. Well, if I, if I, if I actually say it out loud, they're going to think I'm arrogant. Be arrogant! Don't you think that God would rather us risk arrogance than false humility and deny his promise? Come on! 
This is our calling. Let's move on. Afterward, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill country of Judea, to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Arriving at their home, Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped and kicked. And suddenly, Elizabeth was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she prophesied with power, Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others. Do you hear that she is repeating the words that God spoke over Mary already? She is confirming when you choose to stand in the promise, everyone around you will begin to confirm the promise over your life. See, the thing is, is that we don't actually know who each other are because we're too busy playing false humility. I started this whole thing off talking about our union, about our oneness, and why it's so important that we know each other. We have to know each other intimately because if we do not, we will put expectations on one another that are not the expectations of the promise. Yeah? I have, I have a few people in my life that are like, mm, girl, what you doing? Right? Do you have those people in your life? who are going to call you out when you have stepped outside of the promise. When it looks like you're starting to veer away from the promise, do you have those people that are like, you know what I'm talking about, that are like, mm, what are you doing? It's important that you speak the promise out loud, that you say it out loud. Do you know how different this would have played out if Elizabeth would have responded to Mary differently? If she'd have been like, um, Mary, I think you might be a little prideful in thinking that you could possibly carry the Messiah. That would have played out completely different. Or if she would have watered it down even a little bit. No, Elizabeth recognized Messiah now. Fetus form. Messiah now in your womb, Mary. She says, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others. For your child is destined to bring God great delight. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? Oh, now she's just up in the ante. She just continues to ascend. She calls her the mother of my Lord. She recognizes Messiah in her womb. Listen, we are talking. Have you ever seen those like measurements, those pregnancy measurements? And they're like, well, right now it's a peanut. We're talking probably pea size at best. Because Holy Spirit just spread himself out over her. And she got up and ran to the hill country. There's, there, there's, there's just no way she could have even recognized a pregnancy at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like she is four months away from even having a baby bump. This is amazing. And she's like, 
the mother of my Lord is standing right here. She recognizes the Savior. John, the baby growing in Elizabeth's room, recognizes the Savior. What's he do? He jumps and kicks. John does not know a single day without a Savior. That's fascinating. The moment you came in the door and greeted me, my baby danced inside of me with ecstatic joy. Great favor is upon you, for you have believed every spoken word to you from the Lord. Can that be said of you? Great favor is upon you because you have believed every spoken word of the Lord. Do you see what's available to you? When we believe every spoken word of the Lord, do you see what's available to you? Great favor. Great favor is what is available to you when you do not yield to fear. But as the Western church, <laughs> our doctrine is fear. I'm just going to be honest. It is. It's why we don't see the things we want to see. But when we believe every spoken word, favor is ours. If you feel like you are caught in a tension somewhere, you need to ask Holy Spirit to reveal areas of unbelief in your life. Where are we not in agreement with the promise? Yes? Are we good? Okay. And Mary then sings the song. My soul is ecstatic overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. For he set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. And from here on, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. Now, on that one section alone, we have built an empire. Mary is not in any way suggesting that we worship her. She's saying, recognize. Recognize what happens when you yield to the promise. When you agree with the words spoken over you, recognize. The entire cosmos will recognize that I was favored and blessed. The same can be said of you. When you yield to the promise, when you believe what he says is true of you, the entire cosmos will work on your behalf. That's all she's saying. I will not want for anything because the entire cosmos has been put on notice that I am blessed and highly favored. The same can be said of you if you'll just agree. If everything is going wrong, Believe the promise, right? Y'all know I'm talking to myself. We have to agree with the promise that's over our lives. So many of us fight the promise. 
We fight the promise. We don't want to be known the way that God wants us to be known for whatever reason. But this is what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a company of people who are audacious enough to talk about themselves. This is what the Lord has done in me. And everyone will call me favored and blessed. If Mary did it, why shouldn't we? We're not, we're not prideful in this. We're going, look at what he's done. You want to know why bodies do not respond to our voice when we're commanding healing over them? There's too much unbelief. You want your voice to, to render power? Agree with the promise. Your voice is very much attached to your belief system. When we align ourselves with the promise, the thing that he spoke over us, we will begin to see things manifest. It will happen. Yes? Okay. She's not done. The mighty one has worked a mighty miracle for me. Holy is his name. Mercy kisses all his godly lovers from one generation to the next. Mighty power flows from him to scatter all those who walk in pride. Powerful princes he tears from their thrones, and he lifts up the lowly to take their place. Those who hunger for him will always be filled, but the smug and self-satisfied he will send away empty. Because he can never forget to show mercy, he has helped his chosen servant Israel, keeping his promises to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And it says, it ends with, before going home, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. So by the time she returns home, there should be a baby bump. And we know how the story goes. We know that she's ridiculed. We know the accusations that she's hit with. They assume that she has gone out on Joseph. Did she quit? Did she quit? No. She didn't quit. Even when Joseph is wanting to put her away, when he's going, I can't, I don't want anything to do with this. She stays the course. She believes the promise. The Lord, the Savior, the Messiah is growing inside of her. At this point, she's starting to feel movement. She's feeling movement from the Messiah inside of her. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable that the word of God, the very word of God that spoke all of this into existence is now dwelling inside of Mary. Wow. The word of God. The one that is going to bring about new creation life. It's stunning. I should look at my notes.
Let's pray. Jesus, oh, you're just so stunning. We can't comprehend the things that you do. They're just too big. You're just too wonderful. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are spreading over us even now. That you're highlighting the promise in our lives. And we can hear your words. Do not yield to the fear. And in response, we just say, let it be unto me according to your will. And we posture ourselves to be bold about who we are in you. That we will hold one another accountable to the promise on our lives. That we'll be the ones who are bold enough to speak up and say, hey, get back on the road. And that we will help, that we'll get under the promise with one another, that it'll become our desire to see it all come to fruition. That we would become crazy about the calls on each other's lives. Holy Spirit, tune our ears to one another's voice that we would be able to detect in voice alone whether the promise is present. We just thank you for your words, your lofty words, your intimidating words. We yield to your words, Jesus. We are who you say we are. Tell him that. I am who you say I am. I think you should just stand up. Just stand up and say it. Like if you're ready to take on the promise that God has spoken over your life. I know, I know some of the calls on, on some of y'all's life. I know how scary it is. But I want you to feel the words inside of you and let the agreement come from that place. Not from a participation place, although I love that, but from a place down deep where the promise is, where you kind of like hold it, kind of coddle it a little bit, don't really want anyone to see it in fullness, afraid that if they see it, they're going to call you out. Let it come from that place. I am who you say I am. Just whenever you're ready. Jesus, I am who you say I am. And maybe for you, you need to attach the truth of the matter. Just say the words, just between you and him, just say the words. 
guys, if you can't be bold in this room, how are you going to be bold out there? Yeah. 